Hello, Trombone Internet. This is Chris Van Hoff, assistant to the regional manager of the International Trombone Festival. We at the festival, of course, are huge fans of the pod, and we are really excited to invite you to attend this year's 2024 International Trombone Festival at TCU in Fort Worth, Texas. Dave Begnosh is our host. We have the world premiere of a brand new double concerto for trombone and piano with the Fort Worth Symphony. We have the American Brass Quintet. We have late night jazz featuring a Latin jam session. Like everything is happening, all the cast will be there. It's the best hang in the world, and we hope to see you there. You can register for the festival still online at www.internationaltrombonefestival.com, and it's happening the last week of May. So go register. We'll see you in Texas. Welcome to the Trombone Retreat, podcast of the Third Coast Trombone Retreat. Today on the podcast, we hang out with Lars Carlin, principal trombone of the Danish National Symphony Orchestra. My name is Sebastian Vera, and I'm joined as always by Nick Schwartz. Salutations, Nicholas. How are you? I am doing super califragilistic theolodociously. <laughs> wow, you're such a wordsmith. I turned that into a, a adjective. Yeah, you did. Yeah, well, or was yeah. it an adverb? Uh, I guess it was an adverb. Yes, you're so right. It ends in L-Y. An we adverb. went to college. Well, some of us went to a real college. I mean, most music schools, you take like one math class and you take your one writing class and you're like, well, good luck. You know, actually, just the other day, I recommended my favorite class at Juilliard, which was a poetry class. I really enjoyed that class. Wait, where'd you go to school? <sighs> I recommended it to a student at Juilliard. Okay, let's just push on. So we have a special episode today. We talked to our first European guest, a good friend of mine, Lars Carlin, an exceptional Swedish trombonist and a fantastic person. And it was just great to talk to someone and hear their perspective of this whole 2020 and going on experience in Europe. Yeah. And also just for me, I know Lars more from his online persona. I, I've never met him, but seeing the videos and also hearing the transcriptions that he has written... I really enjoyed that. And I have to say that it was very exciting to hear that these arrangements that he has done are going to be available for purchase in the near future. And he tells us all about that. Absolutely. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please subscribe. You can find us basically everywhere now. So Nick, let me tell you something. Yes, sir. This episode, as many others, is brought to us by Houghton Horns. But did you know, Nicholas? I don't know. What is it? We're obviously dealing with this 2020 situation, and we've all had to figure out getting bell covers, face masks. They've done the work for you. They have the best versions of everything, plenty of stock. They have even the face masks with like slits in them so you can fit the mouthpiece in. Well, that excites me. I'll tell you one thing. I've never played with a bell cover or a mask with a slit in it, but let's put it this way. I really want to because that means I have a gig. (laughs) (laughs) And if I do, I'm definitely going to go to Houghton Horns and buy one. And you'll learn pretty quickly you have a bad bell cover because it's the absolute worst. I've heard it's like really stuffy. Yeah, super stuffy. You can't articulate anything. Everything's in the wrong place. It's it's the worst. So go to HoutonHorns.com and buy your bell covers, your masks with slits. And hey, while you're there, buy a Shire's lead pipe. Why not? All the Shire's lead pipes you can imagine. Get a baker's dozen while you're at it. There you go. Well, enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the podcast with Lars Carlin. 
Oh man. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks. Yeah. Good to see you, man. It's yeah, been, good to it's see been a you. A couple th- years. The same to you, man. Time goes fast, and now we are here, like sitting isolated. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so you're in Berlin right now. I'm in Berlin, yeah, at the moment, yeah. But you're and going to you're going to move, right? Eventually. Yeah, I'm moving after summer to Copenhagen, then to to start there the job there. And the job being the Danish national. Yeah, exactly, Danish national symphony. Yeah. yeah. I probably would have started earlier there, but due to this Corona's thing, I can't. Ah, it's a bit like uh, I combined the jobs a bit before. That's, of course, not possible. Now with this, uh, you need to sit quarantine in when you come back from Denmark to Berlin again and you are quarantined for uh, five days or something. So you were doing both before? Yeah, in, in during the trial in Copenhagen. Oh, I see. I, I see. managed to. There so, was so little to play here anyways. And the corona struck, you know, exactly when I started my trial in, in Copenhagen. <laughs> so it was oh. nothing to do uh, there. Or, I mean, in, in Copenhagen, it was full gas all the time, but here not in Berlin. So, so was that the original plan to, to do both jobs? Or are you just talking was, about in the that transition? That was... Uh, a bit that was the original plan it would have worked out actually almost anyways here in berlin it comes down to if my colleague we are two solo trombones so if he would stay flexible i mean he could ex- mostly choose whatever he wanted and i told denmark okay then i can come here and here and here yeah you know? so denmark two principles as well uh, the- no that's only one principle there okay. so the trial was for that. Yeah. And you're talking about the job you have in Berlin is the concert house orchestra. Yeah, exactly. My colleague from New York City Ballet, he won the Copenhagen Phil. I have heard about this. <laughs> this is, I, it's crazy. Yeah, so he's, oh, I mean, he's just trying to get work, you know, he's, try- and so he moved yeah. there. He's in Copenhagen now yeah. and he moved there and, and he was supposed to go to work like two weeks ago and like, then they shut down, nothing. Yeah. So. So maybe February, maybe March, who knows, you know, because yeah. we're, we're not working until at least September. So yeah. everyone's just scrambling around or sitting at home, you know, Yeah, <laughs> all this stuff is planned, but it's just waiting and, and we'll see, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about like being not in America, the, the news you hear coming out of America, is it just like everything's burning down and <laughs> no <laughs> no i it uh, depends on where you where you watch like uh, if you follow the conservative or the <laughs> or the um which news channels you watch and so on i mean you get a lot of different stuff i mean i yeah this what has happened is i don't think it's everything uh, I, I, <laughs> I i i don't know what uh, so you, but you maybe you feel very different to that. But um, oh yeah, we could we could talk for hours. Yeah, that, about that could be the whole all this <laughs> that could stuff, be the whole but, podcast. Yeah. yeah. So so since yeah. I've seen you, since I've seen you last, besides the obvious things that have changed in the world, a few things have changed for you. You just got married. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. recently. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah thanks yeah, a lot for that. What Thank what does she do? Much. Is she is she German? Is she? No, she is from India. From India? Oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We met her in Berlin, and she's from Kerala in India. Maybe you know that. Uh, I mean, I I know of it, but I don't. I couldn't point to it within no. the country. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's somebody's in the southwest. 
Oh, so very spicy food down in the south of India. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. <laughs> I love spicy food. You know, me too. Oh, that that makes you an an anomaly being from Sweden. You know, like yeah, yeah, food. exactly. Yeah. I know they are very surprised there, and <laughs> that I. But I love very spicy food, and I I, I love the food there. It was it was fantastic. What a wow! So much growing, you know, so much plants everywhere, yeah. like coconut trees everywhere. Kerala means the land of coconuts. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. Well, I was happy to hear all that because, you know, we last hung out in Argentina, much like uh, yeah. one of our previous guests on hell, who, you know, yeah. um, and we had a lot of, we had a lot of, yeah, That's you, just, funny. Like, you just start laughing when you hear on hell. <laughs> we had some nights, you know, that's yeah. all I say. Yeah. And I have video documentation. Exactly. He, um, uh, Sebastian showed me your uh, beer tower that you built. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, that e end of the evening, I was like, I, I couldn't really drink anymore. It was like, okay, I tried, you know, but it's okay, what should I do? You know, I need to do something. <laughs> I, I saw this, I saw this beer tower and I said to Sebastian, I said, I think we, I think I could hang out with Lars. I think we'd get along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have final... a feeling too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had this final party, like we're, we're talking about Trombonanza, the, the trombone festival. So we had this final party. We'd been working all week, and it was just this huge thing. There's hundreds of people dancing. There's a live band on stage. Lars is having a good time. He just, you know, you you get really interested in making this beer tower of cans. And <laughs> at one point, you're just like, this thing needs to get epic. And you just started walking to people's tables of, like, strangers <laughs> who you didn't know. If they, like, got out of their table for a second, you'd go and, like, grab their can or, like, ask if they could. You could oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could, like, it kept the getting can. bigger and bigger. And at one point, I'm just like, okay, cool, you know. And I just kept looking over every now and then, checking on in on you. And one point, I look over and and you disappear. <laughs> and I'm just like, where did Lars go? And the next thing I I look I look up on stage, and you're like playing a solo, <laughs> like you just grabbed your <laughs> trombone, walked up on stage, like I want to do a solo. Well, hey, now's the time, huh? Oh man, that I remember too, yeah. But it's very like. Okay, it's nice to hear it from someone, uh, so from you, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> because that's what it's more probably how it was. <laughs> a, ver a verified third party source. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like the reason I, I, I was bringing up about the, the marriages, and I'm happy to see it, is like, you know, we had some good talks about, you know, you seem like someone, and we can kind of get into this trend in your career, you seem like someone that's like, you're not going to rush into anything. You're going to take your time. You're going to make sure you're making the right decision and that it's something you're really happy with. And you're not going to do anything because you feel like you have to. Thanks for that. That's uh, very nice uh, words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I've tried my best. I, for me, the last years, I felt that uh, my private life was a bit suffering. So I, yeah, that has happened a lot. I haven't actually invested my that's not been the last two years i haven't been my trombone years i would say mostly uh, well, well you want a job so i would kind yeah, of disagree yeah yeah, that, yeah, that, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it that happened yeah that's that but that's more than a year ago now yeah no was it right no. before the pandemic that you that, that was uh, a half a year before the pandemic so you had a real busy life there for a while, going back and forth from Berlin to Copenhagen. Right? That was busy. Yeah, that was. Uh, it, it was gonna be very busy. The two Mahler threes in the spring was gonna come up. One here in Berlin. That's when the pandemic came. I I never played Mahler three in my life. Still, 
have only two rehearsals. <laughs> and uh, then the pandemic struck on the second or third day of that week, on the three, three weeks. So that was cancelled. Oh, uh, brutal. Yeah. I was very, I was angry, you know. Of course. That's, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, you're into it. You know, what want to really do it. It's your moment. You're waiting for how many trombone solos are there like that. Not, no, not I mean, like that. Yeah, you can count them on one hand. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now Did I you play it like in your front yard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I'm ready. <laughs> no. And then it was going to be Mahler three later too in the, in, in Denmark then. Wow. Later, but that didn't happen on Nolses. But man, I hope for next time, you know. Unfortunately, we all yeah. have stories of this, you know, looking forward to things coming up and then no, nothing. No, it's, it's, it's going on your, it's going on our mental. Oh, of course. You know, of course. Uh, everyone, it's, it's like you wake up and yeah, I know today I feel, feel good. Or, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a bit, there's, there's something missing, you know, you don't have that. Anything to do. I, it's so important to have this. It's difficult to maintain a daily plan. And, yeah. and um, we don't. So how do you manage that then? Are, are you actively trying to find stuff to do or like you being patient I, with yourself? I actually took it. I, I took it very easy. I must say. I mean, I was, I mean, it was suddenly it was empty. So I was like that. That was just a surprise. So I, I mean, I, but I didn't rush into. I think I, I have been trying to set up a website to my. With I'm I'm writing all these trombone arrangements. It's a website web shop that I want to get online sometime in my lifetime. <laughs> uh, but I've been doing a lot of that and all. But already before updating PDFs layout, all of this. Uh, there's many products. It's three three four hundred. Wow. So there's been a lot of work and I've been working yeah, since before the pandemic and it's still not there. But now I set the deadline to within the next two months. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of our listeners uh, and us as well are are familiar with some of your arrangements, even if our listeners don't know that they're familiar either from some of the things you've put online, uh, like mm-hmm. uh, the Prokofiev. I, I actually reached out to you at some point about the Prokofiev. I don't know if you exactly. I'm yeah. I'm solving it now with that. I mean, it's. Well, it's I'll be one uh, of the first in line to get it. It's a great uh, arrangement, um, but also the oh, stuff with uh, Tramon Unit Hanover. Some of those arrangements are yours, right? Like the the, yeah. the pictures, yours. Yes. Yes, I just listened to that yesterday. It's fantastic. I mean, there's so much stuff like that out there that I think either people are aware of by name from you, or they've heard it and go, "Oh, that's who did the arrangement." Yeah, so yeah, 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 I think yeah. that will be uh, lucrative for you once you get it going. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit small, small details. You know, I'm not really happy with some things, and then I take time. Ah, better that it gets looks very good when it goes up for you know when it goes online. You know, so then it takes so much time, and that that's why it has been so dead on that point <laughs> like where do you people ask where is the arrangements uh, yeah you know you can buy them like through me like now like this but this will be a website sometime <laughs> yeah, it's so, so <laughs> it's so hard putting something out when you know it's going to be like something that'll be forever yeah when prints it you exactly know? So pressure. Yeah. yeah, but i'll hurry up you know <laughs> well i mean now's yeah. the time to do it right you got all you got all exactly. time in the world right now yeah so let's take it back to and tell me if I'm pronouncing this right. Borlinga? Yeah, Borlinga. Borlinga. Uh-huh. Borlinga. You can say Borlinga. 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 
Mm. Okay, that's, uh, that, that's, as, that's probably as close as I'm going to get. <laughs> yeah, that's great, um, man. That's fantastic. Oh, you, so you, where, where, where yeah. is this in, in Sweden uh, for those of us who don't know? Yeah, that's in the, it's not so north. It's like 250 kilometers northwest from Stockholm. If you know Stockholm, it's on the east coast. I, I almost had a job in Sweden, actually, in Norshipping. Oh, yeah? Norshipping. In Norshipping, yeah. Mm-hmm. They told me I couldn't play loud enough. I was the only finalist, and they told me I couldn't play loud enough. <laughs> Ah, yeah. When when was this? Two thousand five or something like that. Two thousand four. Okay. A long, ah, long yeah. time ago. They're legendary. <laughs> I mean, they're legends there. You know that trombone section. That's. I found out later that they do indeed play very loud. Yeah, they did. I mean, <laughs> now now it's a bit of a different guys there, but back then, I the stories are hilarious. What you heard, and I mean, great stuff. They they probably they sounded. I mean, sound today great. I mean, you know, I. But that was a very good group there, what I know. So grow, growing up, like, we talked to a lot of people and how they start in America. But we're, we're curious, like, what, what age are you starting in Sweden? And, you know, there's such a history of great trombonists coming out of there. Ooh. Yeah. You have these music schools, you know. It's, uh, I mean, that's how I started. With my family, I was, everyone played and did music, you know. So my father was a classical guitar player schooled in the academy in Stockholm too he was the only one with an education of uh, classical music otherwise my mother was they started the first female vocal group in my hometown <laughs> it was like uh, covers by mamas and the papas and Beatles <laughs> and others so wow. yeah they were good you know later on then when my they met then uh, my father also joined in and that uh, played in the band with them and so on I mean very different music styles. I mean, I'm. We are four siblings. I have one sister and three brothers, and my oldest sister is. In, she's a music teacher, does music, songwriter, and my uh, older brother. He is. He has a company. He works with something else, um, and uh, he does music on the side. He's make. He has this band with Irish folk music, <laughs> and the uh, younger brother is uh, playing drums in a metal band, like. That's awesome. uh, yeah, so it was. Uh, it's and been, metal's pretty big there, right? Yeah, yeah, it's big, yeah. And in Finland, even bigger, I think. But I was always inspired by it. I started with piano at, at home at age of six. I wanted to be a boogie woogie piano player. <laughs> that was my <laughs> a star, you know? That was my biggest dream. I still play sometimes a bit, like <laughs> when I have time, you know? <laughs> but it's. Uh, but uh, yeah, but then trombone, I started with at 12. And then the music school, uh, which is was a great thing. It's fantastic thing at home. Great teachers also. I mean, my father were, was teaching at the school as a guitar teacher, and he, of course, knew had his idea about what what instrument to choose and how the teachers were also more specifically. So he he wanted, I think, me to choose oboe or trombone because he liked the teachers there mostly. Specifically, so but then the, the music school organized demonstrations of the instruments. So and there the military orchestra, or I say the marching band, the conductor waved the, the different instruments, instrumentalists to the front of the station. They did something on their instruments, and the trombone player, of course, did what you should do, like this. And I mean, that was it for me. <laughs> I was in love. Like that was. That was it. I said trombone is the instrument. And that's all we can really do, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why why the trombone was built. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's always the easiest way when you like have to do like a children's concert or something, or you're like demonstrating for kids for the first time. Yeah, and you don't know what to play. That's always just like the easiest go to. Yeah, it always gets a laugh out of like yeah. five year olds. Yeah, exactly. I, what you I, play the Martin Ballade for five year olds? They'll love it. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I had luck with a great teacher. Also, I have a lot to thank. He did great basics with me and was so fun so was this i have to say because i was reading your bio and there was one teacher you had early on that had if i if i had to imagine the most swedish name yeah sven erik erikson sven erik erikson yeah yeah he was it. my teacher in stockholm at the college there yeah yeah <laughs> that's very swedish yeah so you know you Obviously came from a musical family. Yeah. You had a lot of music going around. You you found this cool slidey thing. And were you were you precocious growing up? I mean, were you really interested in practicing and listening to music and Yes, very, very always, yeah. I loved it. You know, it's uh from first I I mean what music I listened to, I listened to a lot of my what my father listened to. We got Everyone got to listen to what our father listened to because he played his tapes in the car on the way to work, you know. A lot of a cappella groups, Take Six, he loved Take Six, he loved the, the real group from Sweden also, he listened a lot to, and guitar music, Andre Segovia, John Williams, the guitar player. You know, we there's a lot of different stuff, like pop, Beatles, everything. I mean, I listened to that, and then he brought some CDs. The first trombone CDs I got was with Nils Langren. So that was my first idol, and I got to see him live in a city not very far from Borlänge. And uh, I saw him live. I got to meet him at, uh, I think I was 13 years old. I met Nils Langren. I said, hello. I was really shy. That <laughs> was so cool. I have all your recordings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Then I think at the age of 14 or something, I got my first CD with Christian Lindbergh. And he played the, the winter trombone CD. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, my favorite. My favorite CD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the winter the winter movement or the Four Seasons. Yeah, they did. yeah exactly. I, like, I, mean, I had to pick up my jaw yeah. off the floor when I heard yeah. it for the first time. I was actually, I remember I was driving when I first heard that. And I, <laughs> oh, damn it. I, I had to pull over the car and be like, what is happening? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about, like, what kind of influence did Christian Lindbergh have on you growing up? I mean, he was he's a trombone hero across the world, but yeah. being from your own country, yeah. being a young trombonist, I mean, what was that like? Yeah, man, he was my... He's for me still... I mean, I have got so much of inspiration from him. I got inspired by him a lot. I have never studied, really, like, with him or anything. I have one master class or something... I was very inspired by him, by listening to him, and I met him a few times. I mean, we have contact once in a while, very rare, but... You don't go visit the island? Uh, no, no, I've never the been compound. there. We, maybe we might go sometime in the future here that uh, we have talked a bit about it. We will see. It, look, it looks be, beautiful. It's yeah. amazing out there, yeah. We will see if it's in the summer or the winter. <laughs> we will, <laughs> a little bit different. <laughs> I don't know what's... Yeah, yeah exactly, and then... No, but uh, so for me, he was, I listened mostly to Christian in my life. A lot of, mostly everything he has done, I've listened. And then I have been inspired by many others too, but that came later. I listened a lot also to Stockholm Chamber Brass with Jonas Bülund. Uh, the first CD, the, the Sounds of St. Petersburg, the first CD they made with that group. 
Oh, wow. Philip Jones' Brass Ensemble. A lot I listened to them. That's everything. I was hooked. <laughs> so that was my kind of brass world at that time. So you uh, you studied uh, in Stockholm, you said, and then you went mm -hmm. to Germany, right? Yeah, in 2005 when you were in North Shopping. <laughs> uh, I escaped. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what was that? What was that transition like when you moved? I'm guessing you lived in Sweden your whole life, and then suddenly you're living in another country. Uh, did Did you speak German when you got there? Or did you learn it once you got on the ground? Or I was terrible with the language. I was, uh, definitely not, and they didn't have any real test either that I needed to do. So I kind of slipped in in a in a time when. You could just slip in, kind of, without doing any German. <laughs> I'm imagining, like, it being the same, like, amount of Spanish you and I are both trying to speak in Argentina. Yeah, exactly. Like when you were first uh, in Germany. You were, you were a profi. <laughs> yeah, you know, my, uh, my, my wife studied, uh, she, she's from Serbia, and she studied in mm. Austria, and she told me the same thing about in Graz. It was like, there's no real language requirements. She spoke German, but there'd be all the Greek people hanging out with the Greek people and all the people from China were hanging out from with, with the people from China. Cause a lot of them just wouldn't really, really immerse themselves in the language until they were there for a yeah. while, you know? Yeah. So for me, language came when I got my first substitute contract in, in Germany. And where was the, that? The language. And that was in the Deutsche Oper Berlin in German opera in Berlin. The West orchestra that was on the West during the wall time and all that. Oh. Uh, that was a pretty significant audition for you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very. It was my it was my first real real contract in in a orchestra, and that was a special time. I mean, after the first year in Berlin, I won an audition in the Hanover State Opera, mm. and that was kind of substitute year with the possibility to permanent contract. But it ended there with that year. I passed the trial, but uh, it was also so that the guy that w was there, he had a trial in another orchestra. And it all looked good and so on. <laughs> I did a trial. That was maybe one of the most important years, maybe for me, because I was on a possibility to get a steady job. You know, it was not only a substitute. They were really okay. You are here on a trial now, and if it goes well... You can have the job if the guy that was on a leave on another trial in another orchestra, if he passes his trial, you can have the job. It looked all well, you know, and all, but he didn't pass. And finally, so he, he came back and I was out. One thing I learned by that, don't listen to the colleagues. <laughs> mm. Because, of course, yeah, you will be good. So because I kind of had a feeling that, you know, I'm not sitting safe. I should go on, on and do additions, you know. Mm. But when I did that, they were looking at me. Why are you doing additions? Do you want to go somewhere else? No, but I'm not. I'm not sitting secure here. That's a tough so, position to be in. A really tough position. Yeah, exactly. So I, I uh, but I went on and did auditions and one audition or or something like that or maybe two didn't go so well. All okay. I could go and study a bit more and and so on and. But that was, that was a good lesson. And uh, after that was a bit Berlin. And then I was in Aarhus from 11 to 13. That was my first steady permanent job. In Denmark? Yeah, Aarhus Symphony Orchestra. And from what I'm reading, a few things. So you, in kind of what I mentioned earlier, you, you had this great job in Denmark, but you decided to, to leave to go back to school? Yes. 
I kind of missed. I had my the sound in my head and feeling of playing in the opera in Berlin still. <laughs> so actually, I wanted to go back to get a job in Berlin. And to do that, I needed to get some coaching, especially because it didn't really go for me. I didn't kind of hit the, uh, how you say, I didn't bullseye in the auditions uh-huh. really before this. So I got to study with Andreas Klein at the University of Arts here in Berlin, a bit with Stefan Schulz as well. And Rainer Vogt, he's called. That was really good. That helped me a lot. Andreas Klein helped me a lot. So w- um, when you say you missed the bullseye um, and you were talking about you had this sound and this feeling of playing in Deutsche Oper, was it that you felt like you needed to go back to just kind of, because you wanted to live in Berlin, um, to find mm-hmm. that sound? I- is that what you felt? You just needed to find something very uh, specifically no. Berlin? Or? Yeah, yeah, I didn't. You know, I... Uh, uh, I missed a few technical aspects, I think, of orchestra. Andreas Klein was, I would say, he is very good in preparing people for auditions. Mm. He was very good in that and got very good focus on the the support, mm. how important it is mm. to always be there with that. That wasn't for me. Of course, I you always use it, otherwise it wouldn't come nothing out, no? But that you use it very that you always feel that it's always there. It it kind of transformed my playing. In one year, it lot of things happened. Uh, it was a bit going back to the absolute basics again, one more time, and going and building yourself up again. This m- might be confusing to hear for our, some of our younger listeners, being like, you know, you had a steady job and you choose to leave it to go back to school and and study, but. Yeah, I was hungry for reaching more. Yeah. I, I missed uh, the challenge. I left Aarhus with nothing. All people were saying, you're you're stupid. What are you doing? You're setting up a permanent job. You have your money. I said, yeah, I, I, I can't I can't get to the next level. I need I need the fire in my ass. Like, <laughs> otherwise, I don't get anywhere. I need that push to get to the next. If it is something, I mean, that time especially, and I was 30 years old then when I left Aarhus. And uh, there was something that was quite, okay, you're not 22 or 23-year-olds now, or even younger guys that are. <laughs> but yeah, it was, a, it was good to, to do that. And it was a great lesson for me. And I don't regret it a single time, a single moment that I did that. Yeah, it's a major risk you took, but it really paid off. Yeah. You know, as artists, we, we live on such fragile footing so yeah. often, especially now that we're experiencing that, you know, we're always searching for this little sense of permanence and you finally get it. And yeah. it's so, so scary to think about just leaving it. And it's so brave of you to do that. I, I'd love to talk about auditions a little bit there. And, you know, you went back to Germany where we know that per capita has more orchestras than anywhere. Like every city has an orchestra. I mean, Berlin, how many orchestras are in Berlin? Oof. You know, I know the seven big orchestras, full symphony orchestras seven. that I know. Seven. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Three opera houses and four symphony orchestras. Yeah. Are auditions happening all the time? There were a, a lot going on for a while. It's always been a bit okay. Once, I don't know, I managed for a while actually to go, I think I did in one year, I must have done at least 15 auditions, but it was not only in Germany. 15? Yeah. Wow. I had done a lot of auditions, failed a lot. 
<laughs> but Haven't those we all paid off sometime. <laughs> I heard a story about, and I'd be curious if you'd be comfortable telling your story about the, your first audition for the opera and, and some unique adversity you had right before it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, my actually my the, for the opera in Berlin that was not that was my tenth audition, I think. Oh, okay. So I first had, job. Yeah, exactly. And I remember, I can tell the first audition was in Sweden, in the Swedish radio. But uh, I did that audition and I just, I think I choked all the way through. <laughs> I was like that, you know. And it's like black, you know, I didn't even remember anything either. Mm. I remember something like, something like that. And then it's not much more there. Uh, first round I did and it was like, that was over. In the David Concerto. Uh, was the first round and uh, some excerpts i guess and a screen which i never had experienced before either it was the first audition that's like, you come in as a screen or whatever where's the audience yeah. <laughs> so would, that, would you say the david is is the first round at the majority of auditions yeah, in europe i have never played another piece in, in a first round ever i did eight auditions in my life, I think so. Around how many? Eighty. Eighty. Wow. Oh. So I fail. I, when I say I fail, fail a lot. I did. <laughs> yeah. But well, I was that's the, what they say as a musician. I, if you're successful yeah, exactly. in like more than like three yeah. percent, like, <laughs> we, we, but I learned a lot too. Uh, we so. fail upwards, you know. <laughs> exactly. 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 Oh, that's that's true. You know? But anyways, then somewhere there after that audition, I went to Germany and I. After a while, it kind of loosened up for me. It took quite a while. I kind of resetted my whole playing when I came to Jonas. I forgot about focusing, as I learned before a bit, or got into a lot focusing on embouchure and how it should feel, where the tongue should be placed. That was what I've learned before. I achieved some kind of level, yeah, of course, before with the Stockholm studies and so. But first with Jonas, I said, uh, after a while, there was something he wasn't wasn't happy with, and we tried to find well, what's going on here. And I, uh, I'm focusing on embouchure; it doesn't feel good here. And I was like, "You can," he said, "Forget that all. Listen, listen how it sounds, and just take one tone and blow air, and don't think of embouchure, and see what happens." He said, kind of. And then mm. it was a low note. So there I started from scratch again. To yeah, I played long notes. I couldn't play over a middle F for a year. Wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. But so from there I started, I did from scratch again. That was a very good thing to have done. To see. This was after leaving your, your full-time job? No, this was long before I got the... Oh. This was two years before I got my first Berlin job. But after time, after two years after that, it started to go really well. I practiced one of my most, uh, I think creative periods practicing wise in my life it was me and the chinese piano players every morning at uh, seven in the morning, <laughs> you know <laughs> at school you know so they were they were serious you know so it, i tried to hang uh, <laughs> with them you know so that paid off and then i did a i think audition in malmo opera then i went to the second round for the first time and it felt good you know i felt like yeah i realized like yeah, I'm running my lane here. It's going fine. And I just enjoyed. And they even made some positive comments afterwards. Yeah, played good, well playing, you know, keep on. So I was really, was in a good flow. And, and I continued to, I feel, I felt I, I moved forward. 
So it came on audition. It was a small orchestra in Gelsenkirchen here in Germany. And then I won the job there. It's a C orchestra or something, a B orchestra, I'm not sure. And short after that, that was this Berlin job coming up. And then my father passed away the day before the Berlin job. So that's 12 years ago now. But that was, I've been thinking quite a lot about how how that really was, you know. It, I think it gave a lot of, I mean, of course, of course, that was an audition that w- the hardest thing was not to play trombone anymore. I was low on energy, but it was easy to play trombone. And I knew my father that he would have never wanted me to not do the audition. Of course not. Ah, you need to do the audition. It's, it's important for you, you know, come on. So, of course, I, I knew that was just to do the audition and uh, I really wanted also to do it so and then it took away so much of unnecessary nervous <laughs> you know <laughs> absolutely and and that was, in some ways I think that was the best audition in my in my life in a way because I learned also that yeah it was just a lot of spiritual energy there for me mm-hmm. I imagine after experiencing something like so real yeah. and so like emotionally powerful yeah. that you feel really connected to your feelings in a moment like that yeah and going into a music making situation an audition you're just so connected with what you're expressing exactly and i was just like thinking also about what i understood that after also my oh that was possible so why shouldn't so many more things be possible to do you know so much more harder things in life than to to play trombone. Yeah. It sounds like, but then you go back to it later also. Look, <laughs> you get, I, I'm still, I'm totally nervous when I go for auditions, can be. And I think it gave something to also for, for now. Wow. That's crazy. That's uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Maybe we could talk a little bit about the specific differences with auditions. Cause we have a lot of young aspiring trombones listening to this that, you know, in America, you know, a typical audition is, you know, if you get invited or if you do a tape round, you show up. We always pretty much start with excerpts. There'll be multiple rounds. Maybe you'll play a solo later on, especially if it's a principal position. You might play with a section. And I'm curious about if you could talk about the differences with a typical European audition. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I can just imagine how, <laughs> how like, what the, what the competition is over there. Like... <laughs> Uh, I mean, here also not everyone gets invited in Germany, at least. For example, being here also in an orchestra, we have I've also seen how people think when they invite. And I li- love to invite as many as possible because I love that people get the chance and the possibility to play. Let's say for like an audition like Deutsche Oper. Yeah. What, like how many people, just guessing, how many people would be invited to an audition like that size? Now, now, for example, here in the Concertos Orchestra here, what they had started with these pre-auditions where they invite everyone, or at least mostly everyone. Okay, so that was maybe around 40 people on the pre-audition, but no, no more than that, really. Mm-hmm. 40 or 50, maybe. And then on the main audition, I think it was much less than, uh, I think, six. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, for example. I mean, I know I, I took four auditions in Europe. I took one in Sweden, yeah. one in Denmark, uh, one in Spain, and one in uh, uh, Finland. 
And I found the process to be very, very different. Actually, you know, I, I found find myself when I've done it now lately, or those times I've been auditioning in Scandinavia, I find that much more relaxed. In Scandinavia? Yeah. So that's just been, you get uh, time, I, they put in a bit more things to play. Uh, you get time, I think if you play your David Concerto in the first round, and I think a bit excerpts even. But the, whether in Germany, it's in first round, it's like a bit of the first movement, David Concerto, and uh, a bit of cadenza and a bit of second movement. And then, then it's over, like five minutes. Yeah. And then second round, bit excerpts. And if there is a third round, yeah, you play a bit more. I found it they take a bit more time. In I, it's, it's just a feeling I had. It's a... Uh, did you feel with the the New York audition it was because you have only taken auditions in Europe except for that one? It, did it feel strange starting? I imagine it started with something like Tuba Miram or something like this, right? Yeah, it was it was strange. Yeah, because yeah. I felt it the was, opposite. I mean, it was when I came to Europe. It, it's yeah. so strange to start yeah. with the the concerto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's great. You know, it's it's. Uh, I think I think it's very uh, accurate rhythm timing and intonation keeping tempo no kind of unexpected things uh, that's kind of what i not that it that's anything bad or anything but that's the kind of what i bit hints i got after a new york audition which was it's good and i was prepared for it too i knew that it was kind of in that uh, way more, if you understand more what strict I mean, I think. yeah more strict with the what's yeah, on the page. Uh, yeah. yeah exactly so uh when, for example, in concert house here, I did the audition. Then they listen a lot to, does he say anything? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if it, it uh, and many times does he speak? Do I feel anything mm. when he plays? Mm. Many times, actually, that has been as amazing. Uh, people that play everything, but no. It's not a solo player, mm. they say. And that's why it must be nice to hear a solo first. Yeah, exactly. Really searching they for focus, those things. Yeah, they focus a bit more on the solo concerto here, I guess. Than the, and this, this, of course, you can see the good and the positive aspects of and the negative aspects of. But sometimes it's coloring the orchestra a bit too. Yeah. You, I, those kind of stuff. I think both ways have their pros and cons, you know? Exactly. There's no, yeah, there's no right way to do yeah. this. Like, you know, yeah. or else yeah. we'd all be doing it that way if it was the one. Exactly. Right way so I, I have been, I love to learn as much as I can from, I mean, I have been too much, too little in America and so on. And it's just been, but I have, yeah, I've listened and I, to how people play coming from there or studying there. And uh, I just try to take a bit for as much as I can of everything else, everything. (laughs) So going as much as possible, going forward, we, you know, we get out of the pandemic, everyone has their vaccine. We're all happy and everything. So is your plan to go up to Copenhagen and live there? Or do you want, are you going to try to keep doing both? I have, left in my resignation here now so i yes it's going until the summer i'm working here in berlin and then i'm gonna start in copenhagen that's the that's the plan so how do you how do you feel about that 
I feel fantastic right. about that. Yeah, I'm really happy for going there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to it. Really seriously, I, I put some nice moments there in the orchestra. Very. So it was really happy for to get this opportunity to play with them. That's you know? fantastic. And for fun guys also in the section. I think it's so important also that the next the people sitting next to you are so ah relaxed people. Who's the music yeah. director? Is it um uh, Alan Gilbert? Yeah, no, it's uh, Fabio Luisi. Fabio Luisi. No. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you we you talked earlier about that you weren't so great about studying. Uh, now you have to learn Danish. I mean, I know you already lived in Aarhus. <laughs> exactly. But in, uh, yeah, yeah. So how, I mean, I don't know really. How close is Danish to Swedish? Is it like Italian and Spanish or is it further apart or close? Oof. For people in the south of Sweden, there was Denmark before. Yeah. Mm, okay. So they understand a slightly bit better the Danish. It's like a German language is very clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you heard exactly what the pronunciation is. We heard the start of the word, the ending of the word. That's a total different in Denmark. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like everything. Bit, yeah, when you as an outsider, you would it's a role, you know. <laughs> so, so that's the, the challenge for me too a bit. But you know, I I understand very much what they say. It's so much the same group of languages, but it's different. Yeah. Yeah, of course. The, it's not as bad for me as for my for my wife going right. for, for learning it as a India from India, yeah. you know, well. learning. But that will she's very she's easy to learn and. So we're hoping for the best. And it's such a <laughs> such an up yeah. and coming city, you know. Uh, Copenhagen is going through this huge revival in the world. That it's where it's a a, yeah. a a food capital, a cultural capital, and, and yeah. it's. I think it'd be amazing to live there. Yeah, I, I hope so too. It's. Uh, I like the place very much, and very nice uh, atmosphere. I I love that, especially when you go out and. Especially, you know, when you come to those nice little bars, you know. That's, <laughs> oh, do you like oh, to bars? <laughs> you know, I, honestly, I haven't been drinking for almost half a year, yeah. So I've been very off the... Wow. Off the, but there is nothing. I mean, if you... If you I don't know that, d- Lars. Yeah, but it's no bars have been open, you know. Well, they, there's, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> you, you, have a, you have a bar in your house, uh, Bar Carlin, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you know. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I love that. But the atmosphere also, like, in those places, and they, they make music, also live music, they have very much of, and often. I love that. You take your trombone and join in, they just love it great i missed that a bit here in berlin i must say that i haven't been we just gotta go back to our yeah exactly (laughs) you you know does it feel uh, i mean obviously different different culture different language does it feel though a little bit closer to home as far as just the 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 vibe of the of copenhagen as far as the culture i mean i mean it's obviously not the same as sweden but does it feel closer yeah, yeah, it it feels uh, closer. Yeah, it's uh, definitely yeah. Then Danes, I find very very relaxed. Like compared to the the rest of the Scandinavians, I find them the most the part the party Scandinavians. <laughs> I mean, if I would, that's always a, the kind of picture I have, and I had met fantastic people in in Aarhus also. It like was. What an atmosphere it was in the orchestra. It was such a great bunch of great people. Who do you think can hold their alcohol better, Germans or Scandinavians? Oh. Scandinavians. 
Oh, yeah, probably Scandinavians would drink more. Well, you also have the... <laughs> but the question is if they're holding it better. <laughs> <laughs> but they will for sure go a bit further than the German. <laughs> well, you're going to have to drink some Aquavit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's a bit different there. I think they would be a bit wilder with the Scandinavians, like... They get a bit out of out of hand, you know. <laughs> That's okay. I, I I'll come and visit now. Now that I know you and uh, Brian, Brian, but you have you have a lot lot more fun with this game. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be curious if you talk just a moment about cultural life in Berlin. I mean, one of the major cultural artistic centers of the world. I imagine there's just so much you can experience there: museums and theater yeah. and dance. And yeah, I don't know. No, it's it's an insa- it's insanity. <laughs> It's like that uh, so much, just all these orchestras and all the different sounds of those orchestras too, and every orchestra with its history and yeah, it is really inspiring. It's uh, I've been here a lot just and I kind of felt like okay, you know I I have really appreciated this, you know, but I can feel that it's time for something, you know, something else. Well, it seems like you don't you don't sit still for very long. <laughs> so no, it, if you are both, yes, I, I am accurate. I think it's important for me. It's important, anyways, that I find meaning in what I do. True, really, and I try that as most as possible. And I really wanted to go to an orchestra where I can. I miss playing the big repertoire a lot, and that's main reason why I'm also going to to Denmark. Solo trombone also a bit more what I would like to play, and that's a good thing. Not that I'm a when I act any dictator or anything. For I try to let everyone play what you want, guys. Like you know, it's the best that way. But uh, so that's uh, one thing I would like to create with the group. Dream yeah, principle. Yeah, exactly. uh, I would love to be that. I hope I can. I hope. Well, with, uh, but, with that attitude, <laughs> that's a good attitude. It's a great attitude, yeah. player. You know, we see it. It's a great guys there. You don't need to do anything. It's just like it goes from it. It's just automatically good. Yeah, it's a pro- <laughs> yeah. rare thing. Job, yeah. you know. And speaking of your solo playing, I just wanted to mention really quickly. I was listening to your recording the the Swedish trombone witness. Ah, by the way, ah, mm-hmm. awesome title. <laughs> um, oh, thanks. Sounded beautiful yeah, playing. Really. Oh, thank you. Like, incredible so playing. So everyone check that out. Uh, it's on Spotify. It's on everything. I imagine you can order it somewhere. Your new website, website. will be able to get your CD, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, uh, I anyway, we'll put in a link. <laughs> yeah, we'll absolutely. It's, the, it's there on Spotify, also, I think. So I did read something that that really caught my interest, and in, that you studied peak performance with Don Green for yeah. a while. Um, Help. This was in Los Angeles? Yeah, this it was just over Skype, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over Skype. I was, okay. Uh, that is around I think 2 years exactly since I started with just when I arrived to Argentina actually. Oh. Uh, for the Trombonanza, I had my first meeting with Don Green. So that's why you were such like a confident maestro was, for that was, for that, that trombone was, choir. Yeah. <laughs> Man. You, you were centered. You, you remember that? Me, do you remember that first time I co- was conducting? You know, that was there. Yeah, I, I was just as nervous trying to play that damn piece, <laughs> Cogent Caprice. He was playing fantastically. He had his piece. He knows, like, but it was Capriccio. What was it called? Cogent Caprice. Caprice. The yeah, Peterson. Exactly. And I needed to conduct that, you know. And I 
I mean, okay, I know one, two, three, four, one, two, three, kind of <laughs> one, two, three. You're hired. You got to go. You got to like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but uh, more than that, okay, how do I, how do I do it for math? I know. I mean, I, it kind of, it was fine. It was, but sometimes I felt a bit bad for, for you, like Sebastian, oh, you know, that, uh, that you needed to play that piece. Probably it would, it would have been even easier without me, you know? Honestly, <laughs> no, not at all. It was, I mean, we were both trying to just like, we both like our Spanish was like not great. And we're leading this trombone choir of like yeah, all the advanced kids. Lars, Lars, let's be honest. Just, yeah. If you, if you can say as Sebastian, it would be easier to play without a conductor, then you're the perfect conductor. That's <laughs> exactly. like, that's like most conductors, yeah. right? It'd be easier. Like how often yeah. do we, I mean, <laughs> how often do we say that in the orchestra? It would be easier without you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man that's uh but it was fun times it was good for me to yeah wave with this <laughs> i found the video for that the other oh, really way. yeah like deep dive i, I found oh, it man. um <laughs> um but anyways don green mm-hmm. so what, what was that experience that was what'd you what'd you learn oh from wow a lot i signed up for that 10 hour sessions with him to go for audition in the bavarian radio orchestra here in germany but it turned out very different after a while getting material from him what to read and understanding a lot about the you know left right brain subconscious mind all of this kind of stuff and that was so new for me and goodness what i went in i i really took that serious that i was so interested in this and it was i, I love this stuff and <laughs> and what i learned i did these tests for competitive adjective profile mm. was it so I, i'm not i'm not yeah. sure but that sounds it sounds official <laughs> yeah it's like adjective kind of things you are good at how do you think how how is how resilient are you how how is it strong or sensitive are you how aggressive or whatever all this kind of stuff you need to rate yourself one to ten and then i send it to all my siblings to do one to fill it out how they thought about me and some other friends and uh, was interesting wow. the answers what came back and what people thought about you uh, one thing that came out really clear after that for example that exercise was from a book by james e lair the new toughness training for sports is the book don green said that okay read this you know and anyways we're doing this uh, kind of rating myself all the ratings i got from uh, <laughs> all the others of the people that did it and for me, kind of, my ratings were much lower. So I rated myself really low. Hmm. So I learned there something that you kind of, you really harden yourself, you know, and, and a lot more follows that. How, how do you, you expect a lot from yourself? But do you, how do you, what do you expect from others? And uh, how is that relation? And how can you get this better? That's uh, So it had a, uh, I think it was a life journey for me and saying good things to myself like you can do this like <laughs> you can you don't need to be super I was super nervous many times for just orchestra rehearsals sometimes also but nothing big and I could I anxious so it had a big change in, in the end after I think a five five hours or something of that coaching I I got to fake my funeral and write on a paper was it like a thing to like see looking back like, like what yeah exactly kind of like that you know and then uh, write on a paper afterwards what what I felt that was missing kind of what I haven't done and 
mostly out of it after those five hours they came on onto other things than the auditioning came into fo- focus much more on composing and yeah but anyways that helped me a lot and made me a happy person i must say also mm. but it's something i try to continue with also i must i feel much better if i do some kind of mental exercises or something in the or reading something about this or always take it as a i mean the mind also needs to be exercised a lot of mental rehearsal don green does of course and that i started with and that helped me a lot like visualization yeah, visualization yeah i didn't want to bury the lead so what did you were there things that you were writing about your your funeral that you weren't doing absolutely in your life i was you want to do been more? working a lot i was a workaholic i mean uh, since i don't know when i uh, i was hooked on it was work 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 you know and it was not much private life that i really invested in and and took time for and understanding where i am right at the moment so it was a i kind of stopped in at, at the one and it was like what came on that paper was like oh family love composing that came a lot of stuff like come on what are you doing this is where the <laughs> Lord. this is where the awakening for composing happened would you say yeah like that, to <laughs> exactly. like understand that this is or maybe important. it awake awakening anyways that i'm not doing composing uh, i'm not sure that i will <laughs> maybe i should just keep away from it but it's the, i think i will enjoy it if i if i take my first steps there yeah when i get that when that's the time but anyway, so that's that's with what I said in the start of this, that the trombone and practicing and plans for practicing is not what has happened mostly the last year, one and a half maybe. But I've been practicing everything I need to do and so, but my own what is it, red line as a solo career is haven't been there. Or hmm. All right, Lars, mm. we, we close every podcast by just asking a few questions, yeah. some quick questions. And we actually had a few people write in some questions from Instagram and our, our Zoom practice yeah. thing. Um, so I want to ask you some of those. Some, some of these are goofy. <laughs> <laughs> they're, all, they're all good ones. Um, let's see. Well, I know, I know what your answer is going to be for Yam- Yamaha, Trombotine, or Slidomix. <laughs> yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Yamaha, you know, of course. Um, How about, okay. So we had one thing we didn't talk about yet was uh, competitions and you've been successful in a lot of competitions and and the culture of taking competitions is a lot more prevalent where you are. We had Omar El Musa, a former trombone retreat student asked what your mind state during the preparation and during the performance is in, in these competitions. Where the mind kind of how it travels from practicing to performing. I believe that what is good with a competition is exactly just that you can you can challenge yourself. It's a great opportunity to get this goal that is big. I have actually very difficult with the practicing really concentrated and that I feel that I, it's like a force pulling you forward. That is to have a goal. It's helping you. It's so much easier. You feel that and the closer it gets to it or something happens on the way, maybe six months before is too far away to really feel the, the intense. Yeah, in, yeah, exactly. Urgency. But there, when it comes to three months before and something, yeah, now it's, then it happens a lot of interesting things with your mind and you get very alert and uh, that's good thing. So I think it's important to do some, for me, competitions were very, 
cool. It was a lot of pieces to prepare and with the competitions that was more most important for me when I did them. And when I came to the competition, I I know that I'm running my own lane, you know? There's I'm not competing against anyone else. I'm here to and I realized that quite fast that it's just I the best it goes when I absolutely love this. Now it was nothing about winning wasn't there. I wanted to win. Of course I wanted to win, but that was very far away. It was always very far away. I was so when I won it was like okay. <laughs> it's like it was but it was the the the, the trip was so fun. Hmm. So why is that over? <laughs> it's a, you know, that was much more. Cool. That was a great answer. Another question. Uh, we already talked about a lot of trombonists that, that inspired you. Um, but um, from Jan, name a musician and non-musician that you're inspired by. Whew. That's a good one. I mean, I... Yeah, right? I mean, I am a, a, real, I'm a real Jordan Peterson fan. I am. All right. Uh, very much so. Other people that inspire me. Singers. A lot of them. Fritz Wunderlich. Mm. Jussi, Jussi oh, yeah. Björling. He is from Borling. Oh, yeah? There you go. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, he was. <laughs> no one knows that, but yeah. Perlman and guitar players. Oof. No, I, I like a lot. Uh, I follow a lot like this uh, philosopher discussions also in Swedish. In Sweden, it's uh, for me very interesting. And that uh, philosophic, basic values and stuff. Cool. Well, you're a trombonist. You're not supposed to have any morals. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. And last question that from written in uh, that we're going to ask you is from Logan Borchard. Mm. Asked, name your favorite experience from working with Trombone Unit Hanover and specifically uh, Tomer Miskowski. Yes. Of course. The best thing with them, I was just a great bunch of people and trombone players, you know, it was, we had to have a lot of fun. With Tomer, we grew very close in a way, we, since we both studied also with the same teacher here in Berlin, Andreas Klein, we kind of connected also. We just loved to play, you know, uh, together. We played a lot of duets and uh, we say, well, why don't do a project together, you know? And then uh, we did this trio, a lot of trio concerts we did in Germany after this competition that I just spoke about before. And then after that, we just continued doing projects together. I think uh, also, otherwise, the best memory with the trombone unit was, I mean, we, we started 2007 or 2008. And like students in the Hanover <laughs> Academy, like was... But messy rehearsals that was sometimes. Who is who? Who is taking the lead role and who is who? When you should you be silent? When should you? You know, it was a lot of. It was time, but we found ourselves and we did some competitions together and so on. One concert especially that was mo most important for me when I felt that we did something else than play trombone. We came out and we reached with the music the audience in a. It's in a stronger way. It's like it 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 was rocking. You know? <laughs> yeah, so it's not like you know we were so there was so new with the eight trombones playing without an a conductor or without the coach. We needed to find find ourselves. It was not so easy in the start. And to all those pieces, the bourgeois, the osteoblast, and the scherzo funebre, and 
those pieces were hard to, yeah, just to get together. Timing, retardando, how much uh, dynamics. And when we started to get out of that and could be able to be very free in the music, that's when I really like to to be there. That's uh, That was great. And that kind of leads to the next question. Okay, so name your favorite piece to play. It could be, you could do solo piece and like piece you played in like in the opera or an orchestra. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a difficult thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hard But I mean, it's also there. I couldn't really say I would. I love uh, some trombone pieces really, really much. And actually, I love the David Concerto. When you play it completely through, that's one great concerto to play on a concert. Interesting. Uh, wow. It's, yeah, it is a amazing piece, really. It's just, uh, it's simple in a, in a way, at, but it has power uh, when you, mm-hmm. especially if you have a great orchestra behind you. And, or I did some arrangement for eight trombones also. I did that a few times. That was that was even better. <laughs> that was fun. You know, eight trombones behind you, and you play the solo part. You know, it's fun. See, we could have we could have done that in Argentina instead of trying to like <laughs> get through coaching. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. Otherwise, otherwise, when it comes to like uh, orchestra music, I would say it would be something from the opera, yeah, or a, or a Mahler symphony, or or some some moments from Mahler symphonies or Wagner, uh, Lohengrin. Something's so much from Wagner. I mean, it's the end of Valkyrie. Oh, yeah, so beautiful. And the trombos are still playing. It's so beautiful. <laughs> uh, the end yeah. of Valkyrie is so good. It's amazing. Um, so one one thing I like to ask all of our guests is, what is one thing that you would say to people, to so musicians aspiring to get better at the trombone, that they could do more of? I had a lesson one time in Japan. I had gave one lesson to one guy. For him, it was a, a bit of a revolu- revolution, which it would maybe have been for every person here in Europe or in US. But I asked him. Uh, so he played, I think, David Concerto in the lesson, and I, and I asked, uh, "Is this how you want to play?" And he was did did. The teacher just asked that question, mm. or did I hear wrong? That gave him a lot. So it spin. We were spinning on that a bit, and he try, I tried to like okay, get him to play a bit. If 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 you could play exactly as you wanted for one time, you no one tells you that is forbidden. That's forbidden. everything is allowed. Do everything you want. It's just it came up. It was a totally different player mm. after five ten minutes. So that was good for him then. And on others, I would perhaps say that structure, maybe. Or or uh, it would be important for that start every morning in the same time with your with your trombone. Or that would be for others that, uh, for me, when I was young, I would have needed that more too. I mean, b- both of those yeah. things. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think that just spinning off of that really quickly... Um, I think, yeah, a lot of players I find never take the time to think about, well, why am I playing this? And what do I want to say with yeah. this? And, yeah. And I, I think you said it might not be the same in Europe or in America, but I think that's universal. I think a lot of people have trouble yeah. with that. Yeah. No, you are, you are, that was just, that moment was just in Japan, very, very extreme. 
for me because that was that changes life kind of he said after <laughs> that is not normally like that so but i was very happy for that but that wasn't i didn't feel really like didn't I do much you know honestly but yeah you are right uh the deepness and going into uh, why am i here yeah mm-hmm. sounds like you allowed him you just like all you yeah. did was like i allow yeah. you to do yes, what you exactly want. and because it's so much to th- this uh teachers that say that this is how it needs to be that that is like it must be so I'm like, why i mean okay if it must be so how important how, how important am i then <laughs> it's it's like you're non-important you're one in the system you need to do that job okay that's maybe true but when it comes to a for an excerpt you need to kind of deliver an excerpt also need to play the notes but there is something so valuable in each person that you must be able to if you get that out that's when this real strength comes in a person i think wow yeah so so yeah it's uh totally what what you say and that's birth, a nice yeah. feeling when you uh, see such a result in a student, you feel like a super teacher, you know? It's like, I'm amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's rewarding, though. Re- rewarding, I mean, to, to teach and, and see when it, when it goes well. Yeah. yeah. For, for the, I mean, it's I, I, maybe the most rewarding thing ever. Awesome. Yeah, sometimes being a great teacher is just oh. about like unlocking them and getting out of the way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Thing. Yeah, yep. they get can, out of the like, way. You do, and if it's the student is serious and really wants, you know, this directly, you can just do that all the time. Kind of, <laughs> they will do everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If only it was that easy yeah. all the time. You know. Yeah, I have <laughs> Well, well, man, like it's been awesome hanging out with you. And good to see yeah. you again. God, we found an excuse to hang out, and we definitely Nick and I both want to visit. Oh, Germany come here again or come soon, to Copenhagen so. and just call when you. Oh yeah, uh, right. Come, you know, we, I show you the best uh, bars. Okay, of All the right. city. <laughs> I remember bars. Yeah, I haven't been to a bar in ten months, so I, I didn't even get any IKEA jokes in or like Swedish meatball. Yeah, jokes. exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's not no, it's no jokes. It's Swedish meatballs and no no jokes. You know? oh. <laughs> Especially oh, I, in IKEA, that's no joke. <laughs> they're 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 really good in IKEA, right? Like, do you probably do they stack up in which IKEA, IKEA you are? Yeah? <laughs> I went one time in Berlin here to IKEA and ate that meatballs. I was oh my god, cannot be true. I, it's like that was the worst thing I ever. That was not good, but that shouldn't be like that, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> that's probably it was so lucky. Unlucky there. So Sebastian. Yes. This was the first interview we've done where I do not know in any way, shape, or form the guest. You guys like exchanged an email once. Well, I know of him. I don't, but I don't know him at all. Like I, there was others that we have interviewed in the past where I'm acquaintances have met, but, uh, this was the first time we've never met. You know, that's very surprising because Nick Schwartz web spreads far and wide. It is known. It's a thick and wide web. I don't know where you had to go 
thick about it. That's a little weird, but you know. Well, if you're gonna go wide, I feel like a spider web's gonna go wide. It's gotta have thick strands. Hmm. So you can like trap people. Is that the way you like build relationships? You kind of trap them. I prefer them? ensnaring. Oh. Yeah, that doesn't sound much better. Well, you don't sound much better. So how about that? That that's that's mildly hurtful. Okay. Well, here we are. I can deal with that. But you know. When you have friends in your life where, like, you're a good friend, Lars is a friend, and you just, you know, these two people have never met, but you know they would really get along. That's how I've felt about Lars, and and I know we'll get to hang out in person at some point, but he's just, he's a really, you know, thoughtful person. You know, he's really careful about what he what he says, and I really just love how he's been so such an independent thinker, and no matter what he does in his career, he he has to believe in it and he has to push himself to be the best he can and do things for the right reason. And I, I really respect that about him. But at the same time, he's, he's a ton of fun. Well, you know, I, I think speaking to that, uh, talking to him about when he was in Aarhus, the orchestra in, in Denmark. Oh, that was a beautiful pronunciation. Well, you know, I am Scandinavian. Aarhus. Aarhus. Um, and then leaving to go back and study because he just felt like there was something missing in his playing, missing in his direction, missing, just missing, you know, in general. I mean, that, that takes a lot of, uh, dare I say gumption. Oh, wow. A little Swedish gumption. Swumption. I'm sure there's a, a word for that. It's probably like 45 letters long with a lot of umlauts and those little circles above the A's. <laughs> that's the technical term i don't know i don't actually don't know what those are called so please like write me and let me oh, know what you're like, called. Oh, i know oh, in okay. like spanish you got the little thing it's called the tilde you got the umlaut in, in other languages is that it anymore um well you got the ae smushed together also in, in uh, what's that called i don't know who knows what about the o with the slash through it come on scandinavian people bring it to me i want to know what these are called i think you have to be like a doctorate and have like a be an intense scholar to like understand that stuff well, one thing that, you know, I, I just completely switching gears here that it felt serendipitous that one of our first interviews of the new year was with not only European, but a Scandinavian person, because for New Year's Eve, I made gravlaks, which is a staple of Scandinavian cuisine. Well, I mean, what are the odds of that happening? I, I've never made gravlaks, so I would say not great. Gravlax sounds like a meal in a Dr. Seuss book. I am really tempted to say that you sound like a meal in a Dr. Seuss uh, book. That's a creative retort. It's really good. But I'm not going to say that. One thing I love about Lars playing, I, you know, I, I really enjoyed talking to him about Christian Lindbergh as, you know, me growing up was a huge, huge, huge Christian Lindbergh fan. And hearing Lars play in person, you hear so much of that influence in his playing you know, the Swedish tradition, if you can say Christian Lindbergh is the Swedish trombone tradition, I imagine is a major part of it. And it was really cool to hear how much he, he really had respect for him. Yeah. And it, it was just, it was interesting for me to hear his history, both in Scandinavia, I mean, between Sweden and Denmark, and then also a lot of time in Germany. So, I mean, he's really been around the block as it were. It was very interesting to hear all the auditions he taking, he said, I think he said 80 auditions. That's ridiculous. That's a driven man right there. But it was also cool just, you know, when we talked about the European audition system and the fact that there's more orchestras per capita by far in Germany 
And the fact that he said he took like 15 auditions in one year once. I mean, that's crazy. Right. Yeah, that's insane. The system, I personally like it. You know, starting with a solo, I think that's great. Um, You know, obviously putting the value on that to start as like the thing that, you know, will cut people. And I don't know, the, you know, the tenure process seems different. I was thinking about this this morning, actually, is that, you know, I, I feel like in America, the audition process is a lot like, let's find someone to fit into our orchestra. And in Europe, it's more, let's find someone really special that will help our orchestra grow while fitting into our orchestra. And while, I mean, I don't think that's like a on either end, Europe or America, I don't think it's a conscious decision necessarily, but I think it's it, it kind of just built into the fabric of both the conservatory system in in both places and the audition system. And yeah, it's uh, I obviously I have no no real like hard evidence to prove that, but it feels that way. If in hearing Lars talk about you know emphasizing the individual via what they have to say in a musical phrase, what they have to say with their solo pieces, what they have to say with their excerpts. I think that that kind of backs up my, my point a little bit, at least from one point of view. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, of course every group is different in every situation, but you know, there's always, it's always cool to hear about different traits in switching gears a little bit. This week has been awesome uh, for me and we, we started doing these practice hangs and basically what it is, is we're inspired by a friend that plays flute in the Chicago Lyric Opera. And she's been having these zoom chats where it was just kind of practice accountability. It's like every day at 10 o'clock, we're going to meet and it's going to be on mute and there's no pressure and just come and hang out. We can chat for a little bit and then we all work. So we thought that'd be really cool to try with the trombone retreat and we did it for as a test run for a week and we had so many people come. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, that, that was definitely the, the beta testing. And, um, I think that we're, well, I know that we're going to go forward and continue doing this for the foreseeable future, at least until the end of February. It's just trombone retreat.com slash practice. I just made a, a lovely post, might I say, promoting this practice hang. And you can find it on the socials on uh, on Insta and face Facebook, Facegram, Facegram and Instabook, Instawebs. And I want to uh, I want to know this is why I want to know. And Sebastian doesn't even know I'm going to ask this. Please, should we make a TikTok account? <sighs> I want to hear. I want to I want to get some messages saying I want some TikTok. Well, okay, if we create a TikTok account, are you going to make TikToks? I'll TikTok it. I'll, I'll talk it up until I tick it, you know? Okay, tick I'm it, convinced. Tick, tick it till you click it. Wow, you're really selling me. Well, you know what? You can take that snark and put it in your purse. You can talk that snark and mm. put it in your grav locks. Oh, oh, nice callback. And so it's it's just something to show up for. And... You could just sit there and play long tones all the time. No one's going to hear you. But you can also ask questions of people who are in there, which is nice. What are you working on? I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the best thing you can do is get on it and just full screen Nick's window. Mm -hmm. Just full screen it and just stare. Could we full, uh, you could also full screen full send. What's that mean? 
you full screen it, and then you full send like hardcore into the trombone. What does that mean? Full like play loud. Whoa. Okay. Wow. Okay. Boomer. Going. Don't know what full send is. When you go like hardcore into something. Wow. You're so cool. I was thinking you should just full screen Nick's window, and just take a lot of screenshots and just keep sending it to Nick. I would. Can everybody do that? Actually, I, everyone just uh, full screen Nick. Just keep sending him pictures of himself. I um. That was a thing at maybe two or three retreats ago where someone started during the retreat, just taking pictures of random people and sending it in our, we have always have a group chat going during the retreat with all the participants and ourselves. And so it'd be just random pictures really close up of, up of Sebastian teaching a masterclass. <laughs> I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> so Sebastian, we have a question. Oh, um, from the, from the interwebs, from the interwebicles. Okay. Let's hear it. This is from Sterling Davis. And I want to touch upon that. That was actually great name. That was originally going to be my name. Sterling. It was going to be Steve Sterling Davis. No, it was Sterling be, Davis. Nick Schwartz. Uh, it was going to be S- Stephen Erling, which was named after someone in my family. I don't know who, but they were going to call me Sterling for short. So Sterling, we almost have the same name. Just want to say, um, so Sterling says, Hey there, I'm a music education student at Stephen F. Austin State University. Nacogdoches, what's up? I would like to put my name into the audition circuit. I wanted to ask about writing resumes for orchestral auditions. What type of experience are orchestras looking for on paper when they're reading through resumes? The first time I submitted my resume to an orchestra, they said my resume did not show the experience needed for the position. I performed in my school orchestra and I freelance in all genres around the East Texas area. And I was in the Marine Corps field band for four years. What can I do to be more appealing on paper? So that's the question part. Yeah, it's a very interesting point. It's a tough one because I think I can speak for basically everyone that to say that, you know, my my resume was rejected from a couple auditions when I was in school. And, you know, sometimes there's not much you can do about being rejected, but I will tell you this appeal, just write them back and say, I would really like you to reconsider. And a lot of times I can't speak for every orchestra, but I can speak for my own is there is kind of a appeals process and I can, in our orchestra, for example, it's that you have to come back with a letter of recommendation from two people in the field. So that's, you know, I I've found personally in other orchestras where I had been rejected. If I just appealed, that was enough. Just showing the interest and like really following through. Cause it's real, it's really simple to send your resume, but it, to really show like, no, I'm interested in this job. I think that, a lot of times that's more than enough. And they'll say, okay, come on, you know, you, you can come to the audition. So that's my first point. I mean, cause there's not much you can do about the rejection part and you can't do much about the experience that you do have. And it's a catch 22 in the field, you know, that, Oh, you need experience to get this job. And it's like, well, I need a job to get experience. Right. Um, <laughs> it's like the classic issue with the SAG card. Like you can't get a, actors can't get a SAG card unless you've actually acted in, in a SAG job yeah. and you can't get a SAG job without a SAG card. Exactly. Yeah. You know, a lot of it is formatting, I, getting down to the resume itself, make sure that it looks nice and it reads well and it has the most pertinent information on there. The higher up professional things you do go on the top of the list. 
and it pushes off the bottom of the list. So it constantly is replenishing with newer and better things. So as you get experience, update your resume so that it looks a little bit both more current, you know, you want current information there, not stuff from the 1980s, not saying you do, but this has happened. I've seen this in resumes. Um, yeah. So basically, you know, every group's different. Um, some, some organizations will want to hear every resume and they'll accept everyone. It all depends. You know, some, sometimes they don't have time. They don't have the resources to hear everybody. The thing is say yes to everything at this age, everything can grow your career and add to your resume before you send out your resume, have multiple people look at it. There's a million resources online. Um, Nick said great things about, you know, you want all the relevant information I got. I don't need to see resumes with your GPA on it. I don't need to know that you made Texas all state, even though that's a great accomplishment. But when you're applying to a professional organization, that's not really relevant. So, you know, keep it to a page and, you know, Earlier on in your career, as you build, you might get rejected sometimes and you can do things with the appeals process. But first thing is just make it look good. Don't misspell things. You'd be surprised. Make it very easy to read. And let's let's just put this out in the world. Principal. Principal Tramon is P-R-I-N-C-P-A-L. Oh, no. Have you seen it spelled wrong? Some people use principal like the principal of the matter with the E at the end. You know, Right. I've seen that multiple times. And oh my gosh. So I hope that helps Sterling. If you have any more questions, please reach out to us. We can help in any way that we will or can or won't or do. <laughs> I do. Can I, if you enjoyed the podcast, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. If you want to leave a question or topic you'd like us to discuss, we'll answer it on the podcast. Follow us at Trombone Retreat on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and our website, tromboneretreat.com, where you can also join our mailing list. Also, please feel free to shoot us an email at tromboneretreat at gmail.com, as we love hearing from you. On Instagram, follow Nick at basetrombone444 and myself at js.vera. So, keeping with retreat tradition, happy birthday coming up, Sebastian. Oh, thanks. I, I mean, I think some people might be distracted by the, the some sort. I think there's some like inauguration happening that day. Um, uh, there's something in the news about it. it. To me, it's always Sebastian Vera's birthday. Well, it's going to be a very, you know, happy day for me. And uh, it, it's it's weird, but everyone's had weird birthdays this year. So yep. I appreciate it, brother. And while I wish I was with you, I remember one time going to a German beer hall and buying you beer on your birthday. Oh man, how fun would that be? <laughs> I would I would take having a quarter pound of cheese in a restaurant right now. As well, I would do anything. <laughs> well, I think that's possible, isn't it? Not in Michigan. Oh really? Okay. Okay. Well, as always, quarter pounder and cheese yourself. Wait, that's not it. Big Mac yourself. Gravlax yourself. Swedish meatballs yourself. Re- treat yourself. Treat balls yourself. Retreat yourself. Retreat it.